The following is an archived podcast presented by the Branson and Hudson Foundation for Podcast Recovery. This podcast is entitled The Fuggos. It is the first and only episode of the podcast. Welcome to episode one. On July 9th, 1971, the Fuggos first appeared on our TV screens and began to entertain families across the planet. First broadcast on CBS, now syndicated on thousands of networks worldwide, the Fuggos captured our hearts and made us laugh, even if they were so fucking ugly that audience puked buckets every night. Fifty seasons later, the Fuggos are still as relevant and recognizable as ever. Just premiered a new season of the Fuggos on TV last night. Now, the Fuggos were originally started as a zine by Jackson Fielding in 1967, but it has evolved to include movies, video games, and believe me, tons and tons of merchandise. We gather here today to celebrate 50 amazing years of the Fuggos and to talk about the impact this monumental show has made on pop culture. My name is Roger Dew. Joined with me today is Sinclair O'Malley, uh... Sinclair, how should we get started to talk about such a groundbreaking and revolutionary TV show? Well, Roger, there's so many interesting and fascinating parts that are quite exciting to discuss. You and I have spent countless nights awake, uh, deep into the evening, burning the midnight oil, talking about the Fuggos and uh, the genius of Jackson Fielding and everything about it that encompasses what we love about American television, American uh, comics because it did start as a comic strip initially and really to kind of that that culture of these long-running um, traditional shows of the American family and family values and kind of the different archetypes and scenarios that come up that really inspired, I mean, t- television as it is today and even film and books and uh, movies and even podcasts. Whoa, um, whoa, but whoa. I think as any great story uh we should start from the beginning Uh, of course um and and you said it the amount of social traction that the fogos have gotten um based off one you know silly little family that uh you really capture our imaginations and as america grew so did the fogos branching out towards advertising and branding and t-shirts everyone's seen the t-shirts and uh let's start where you suggested, right at the beginning. Jackson Fielding sitting in a studio apartment in 1967, where he draws, you know, with very little explanation, a very, very ugly family. And that was the first comic strip of the Fuggos. How would you explain, you know, the beginning of the Fuggos in your own words, Sinclair? Well, as we've mentioned, it began as a comic strip. It was a very conceptual, um, you know, piece of work at the time because really you had there's the 1960s, and this is coming out of um, you know the 1950s with the nuclear family and the ideal of the American dream. Um, going into the 60s, you had a little bit of a turn in culture. You know, things started to get a little bit more funky. Um, People were doing, um, you know, new drugs. There was new music. Um, Vietnam was going on and beginning in the 60s. And you had a lot of kind of things turning on its head, really quite literally a paradigm shift. And, uh, you know, the psychedelic feeling was just around the corner. The summer of love would be coming soon even. And Jackson is in this in this tiny studio apartment in Columbus, Ohio, where he actually was born and raised. He had recently moved back there after failing to make it in uh, Los Angeles, California. Um, and he was a little bit demoralized for quite a while working odd jobs here and there, working in warehouses and factories and um, and, you know, this is a man that's known for his perseverance, uh, a Korean War veteran. Korean War, exactly. He did, uh, he did, I believe, five years in the Marines and surprisingly survived a nearly fatal 
gunshot wound. Um, it wasn't actually in Korea, but um, one of his fellow Marines had shot him. And when asked how this came about, was it an accident? Was it intentional? I mean, how could it be intentional? He said it absolutely was intentional. And um, apparently the other Marine uh, did not survive uh, because Jackson had to defend himself, and he killed him with his bare hands. And um, and that was in Korea? I don't believe... I don't know. I'm not sure if it was in Korea or if it was back in California on You base make it or, sound like he was just off-duty, and he got I, shot, the, correct? There's and, a lot of different versions of this story, and it gets quite kind of foggy, but it, as I understand, um, Jackson always had immense remorse over the incident, Um and he dedicated the first strip of the Fuggos to this um, this person. Uh, it was, his name was Winston Mealy. He they, didn't put uh, his name on the in the in the dedication. He it, he it was a little bit of a nickname, but it was known to the company uh, what that nickname referred to. And was I understand Jackson's way of saying, "I'm sorry, I had to kill you, and I had to crush your trachea with my thumbs." But maybe he should not have shot Jackson. I mean, this is many, many years the, ago. So, you know, over 50 in, years in, ago. In many ways, um, that iconic gunshot wound that Jackson Fielding had in his neck, um, you know, it, it brought him a lot of notoriety as a writer. Um, you know, people would joke around, uh, especially on set in the writer's room of the Fuggos that you could always hear Jackson coming because the wind would whistle right through the hole in his neck around the corner. You can just hear him whistling on by and they would start pretending to work. He, he kind of gained a certain, uh, dangerous mythos after that. And that's, you know, the early season, of the Fuggos, which, you know, to be honest, probably most of us wouldn't even recognize as the Fuggos today. Oh, absolutely not. And interestingly enough, Jackson, um, we'll get into his uh, the, the creation of the, the Fuggos, but Jackson with his, you know, he had that scar in his neck um, that was, <laughs> as he called it, drafty, and also was apparently the cause of his signature gravelly kind of velvety voice um and that paired with his astonishingly astonishingly gorgeous you know face like jackson oh yeah he was a beautiful a lot of guys you know who are behind the scenes kind of guys you know creators of shows or producers or writers there's a reason why they're behind the camera behind the scenes but jackson i mean my god i mean he he was like Warren Beatty back then. He was dating he dated you know hundreds of you know celebrity women and and the, many of them regret that it didn't work out with him. And many many have alluded that he ended it, and he alluded that he was not good enough for them or that they should go and marry some old um, you know fling that they were you know had saw again. I'm or, no good for you, baby. Uh, the only thing I'm married to is open roads. They all had like that. this kind of feeling like you know I, I it, Jackson was always kind of that one that was different and they always wondered and Jackson kind of just always went his own way and his his true real marriage was to the the to the uh, excuse me to the fuggos. Oh, 100%. Um Let's shift gears a little bit. Um, there's always going to be more Jackson Fielding content later. Uh, remarkable man. Um, but as we talk about the Fuggos getting on TV, Fuggos being in a zine, why don't we go ahead and go one by one through these characters, and we can just talk a little bit about, well, you know, I wanna, what, Jack- what, what was he, where did he get this inspiration? Where did it come from? Was Jackson yeah. a ugly child? Did he come from an ugly family himself? Did he want an ugly family? Did he wish to be ugly himself? The answer is no. The answer is unequivocally no. Because Jackson hated, hated ugly people, in particular ugly families. He despised ugly people you know like you said ugly families and you know he would often talk about his profound disgust of being in a fast food restaurant and then you know a four-person family would come in and every single member of the family was incredibly ugly and but in their own way 
And, uh, you know, it often became make, made him get so upset he would stop eating and leave He wouldn't eat for days. He was quite... He was actually quite slim at 6'3". At he was very lean, and he had a pretty handsome build, wide shoulders, and kind of a nice taper. But he was able to keep that weight off because he would go out to a restaurant, and he said that in Ohio, there's just so many ugly families, he would lose his appetite. Sometimes and he'd you know, lose his food all over the table or his, his brand new shoes. Jackson was such a, a neat freak as well that, you know, he would sit down at a restaurant, he would get a big white napkin, you know, he'd place it on his lap, he'd get another big white napkin, he'd tuck it into his shirt, he'd get his fork and his knife, and he'd get ready to eat that hamburger. The whole process took about five minutes. And if a single ugly person entered his line of sight during that time, he would slam the hamburger down in disgust and immediately begin just a a flurry of obscenities to the mm. ugly person's direction. A lot of the time, this was a, a profound conflict within the town of Columbus because the people he was yelling at didn't know just how ugly they were. Well, it's quite it's quite normal, you know. Um, you know, in the Midwest, these families they're 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 generations of the ugliest people you'll ever meet. Um, oh, they, their bodies have just been eating corn sugar uh, for forty years straight and just. You know, evolving downward into a pile. It makes of you wonder. Jelly. It makes you wonder if, like Jackson, uh, might not have. He might have benefited from kind of like a, 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 a Jack Nicholson kind of move. You know, wear sunglasses indoors all the time. Maybe oh, yeah. so dark that he can't see their faces or make them out. Maybe a blindfold a, even to right. help him eat. Um, <laughs> a man of such passion and you know distinct tastes and um, very particular opinionations. Uh, I, 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 you'd think he might even like pluck his own eyeballs out. He was such. He was like. He was like the the Mishima of of cartoonists, and I think that only someone like him could create something so unique and simultaneously revolting and beautiful as the Fuggos. That's 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 well said, Sinclair. It's well said indeed. I, I believe now might be the opportunity for us to go through a few of the iconic let's talk about them. In the let's introduce let's, the family. Let's, they need no introduction, but let's let's you know get all our ducks in a row here. Let's set it all up and let's dive in. Let's start with um, one of the fan favorites, the patriarch of the Fuggo family. Papa Fuggo, aka Duber. Duber Fuggo. I mean Belly laughs, always kind of falling down. You know his classic catchphrase. You want to tell? You want to remind? You, I'll give you the honors. Tell me what his catchphrase was. <laughs> I mean, he has a few that. I mean, he has like the the you know the little the little one where he goes like, just like the, like the oh geez and uh, you know the one that everyone you know constantly was quoting when I was growing up was I'm so sick of being ugly and uh, yeah and it, it was kind of uh, like. At times in jest, because I I think that the way Jackson wrote them, and even later on after his departure, the the, the Fuggos I think like being ugly. I think it makes them oh, who they yeah. are. I think they're and uh, and, and that's uh, very quite true. Because what what would you do Often, if, one, if, one, if one of them was you know normal looking, uh, handsome or beautiful? Uh, even I mean, what 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 would the show be? It wouldn't feel authentic yeah. at all. And America, I mean, how Americans would you just are have about a show Americans are about authenticity. How would you have a show that is just like some normal family doing normal family things? No one would pay attention to it. All right, how do you really get attention? Well, a lot of people think the way to get attention is to be pretty, to be beautiful, but no. And I think Jackson saw this better than anyone. The real way to get attention in this world is to be very very like heart crushingly like super just fucking ugly like ugly like a dog's ugly just dog shit well i mean i I don't think dogs i think dogs are quite cute i think a lot of dogs are quite handsome and beautiful some are you know very regal you look at the uh the alaskan husky that's a that's a perfect creature if you're to say up the focus look like a dog is an insult to uh a purebred alaskan husky i would say it looks more like 
a husky's asshole, maybe, but right, uh, like, like a, a troll's asshole, like a like a. If the fuggos, if you were to tell me that the fuggos were found under a tarp that was in your uncle's backyard for ten years, I would believe you. I would say absolutely. That's that's where they came from. They just they appeared one day, and um, they're just they're just quite horrendous, you know. They're, they're really quite awful. Uh, uh, Duber got a lot of the attention early on in the show. Um, you know, from, you know, his catchphrase claiming he didn't want to be ugly to, you know, the iconic uh, episode, the iconic Duber episode where he gets locked in the zoo. The Fuggos go ape. I mean, I would say that was probably, if you're looking at the early seasons, like seasons one through 12, before the Fuggos really got going, the Fuggos Go Ape was one of those episodes, and it was it was very much a a, a heavy duber fugger fuggo episode. Well, well, it was. <laughs> it is quite funny how all the animals had to be evacuated, and Duber actually fit, fell into the tank with the penguins, and the penguins never seen anything like this before. All died uh, upon yeah. seeing him. They all had heart attacks. And well. You know, after that, I don't know if they thought he was a predator, or if if they just, if their bodies, their little penguin hearts couldn't handle it. But it was quite funny, and it was uh, quite endearing when the rest of the family, you know, Anita and Gomer and Mimi, are walking around the zoo, and they're like, "Where are all the animals? Where are all the animals?" And then they see their dad in the tank, and he's sliding on his belly like a penguin into the icy water, (laughs) and he almost dies of hypothermia. Oh yeah. You know, and, and and the you know the whole big climax of that when you know Mimi and uh, the boy, what's the boy's name? Gomer. Gomer. When Mimi and Gomer, you know, they steal the rope, you know, uh, you know, to get him out, and you know, Papa Fuggo's so slimy from slipping around, he can't even climb up the rope anymore. And then you know they finally tip him out, but it turns out he fell right into the orangutan exhibit, which you know they all you know, began throwing up immediately too. Uh, you know, the Fuggos really started, that started the real ascent of the Fuggos, you know, in season 10 there. And, you know, they really found their groove, you know, kind of in season 13. Um, but let's uh, switch gears a little bit to Anita Fuggo, Mama Fuggo, you know, the more kind of sultry in your face one. Uh, big, 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 you know, crowd pleaser there, especially when she, her character kind of came into her own in season 14. Uh, uh, Sinclair, any thoughts on Anita Fuggo? Yes. Um, well, the thing that separates Duber um, from his wife, Anita, was kind of Anita's humanity, I think. I think Anita sees the world a little bit more gray than Duber. Duber is a little bit more simple, black and white. And Anita kind of recognizes that, oh, we are ugly, but we are in our own way beautiful, which is, um, of course, horseshit. But right, which is not the intention of Jackson Fielding at all. That's not, and, a, but that's know, what makes he would that, get you gotta incredibly have mad if people said that he'd get so upset. Well, I, I think I don't know if he'd be upset. I think that was intentional because you have to have a little bit of a dynamic, you know. Uh, they the the, the Fuggos know they're they're um, absolutely you know disgusting. Oh yes. Um, oh, they, yeah. You know they don't own a mirror in their home. Uh, yeah. why, why keep breaking if no one else wants to look at them why should they have to look at themselves is kind of their mindset I think and which is um, very le- legitimate uh, uh, well unless you're Mimi Fuggo and you keep sneaking mirrors into the house <sighs> Mimi's episode where she has that makeup addiction is uh, really one of my favorites um, mm-hmm. the episode and she she <laughs> She goes and she buys some red lipstick. She saves up her money and she buys some red lipstick and she thinks, oh, this will make me beautiful. I'm going to look like Marilyn Monroe um, or I'm going to look like Jane Fonda. And it's like, no, you're just going to look like, uh, you know, uh, a monkey's dick. Well, she got most of it on her teeth and just had all the lipstick on her teeth. And, you know, and then she went into, you know, the whole reason for that episode is they're setting her up. She was going to be in the debutante ball. You know, and they and they set it up so that uh, uh, 
you know, Gomer was supposed to pay a kid to bid on her. And then, you know what, he ended up giving the guy too much money. And so there was a, a brief second where the entire school thought, hey, maybe Anita Fuggo isn't ugly. Well, and, and well, that's until the boy pulled out his tire iron and <laughs> started to go to work <laughs> on her legs. It was a great, great fuggo prank. To, but I think, to Mimi's, you know, to Mimi's, you know, uh, you know, to her, you know, uh, chagrin. Uh, the the other contestants of the debutante poll were were large sows from the lo- right. from the local uh, the local farm, and the bitters were all a meat uh, packing company. So it was yeah, it she was just. It was a prank where she was in a factory alone with a bunch of cows. And the boy that she wanted to, you know, go on a date with ended up, you know, taking a, one of those big old pigs on a date and, you know, kissing it. And I thought, yeah. that was, I thought that was so cute. I thought it was adorable. You know, and a lot of people say, you know, oh, poor Mimi. But she got the last It's a coming of age episode. Well, uh, you, you know, there's many was, of those. That's kind of like her thing. She's the older one. Um, yeah. Those those waters have to be treaded by someone. You have to show those stories of growing up and what it's like to be an American kid and becoming an American adult and kind of the in-between awkward phase. And Mimi, she goes from... You know, being this kid, and then she hits puberty, and somehow becomes uglier because of puberty, which was I thought very significant because we all remember that time in that period of our lives where our body is changing. We don't know what's going right. on. Our bodies are in some weird awkward phase. Our faces look like baby faces still, but we have you know hairy arms or develop our genitals are developing. We got zits and pus and, and, and yeah, bags of our, mucus. Our arms are too lanky to and weird. Yeah, we look kind of like yeah. big pink uh too much apes. skin, yeah. extra blood, way too and, much hair. And Mimi, Mimi Fuggo, um she she did not, you know, she wasn't well endowed or anything like that. They're, they didn't write her to be like some uh, girl that's like this hot girl at school. You know, she hits puberty. She finally comes into her own. It's like, no, she gets uglier and she yeah. needs uglier glasses now because you know, when we're going to season 18, you know, we're. You know, she got made fun of at the science fair, so she made mustard gas and trying to run out of the cafeteria, her back brace breaks. Um, that was a classic episode. And then the principal confiscates the brace from her. He says, if this thing's going to keep breaking, then you don't get to keep it. Let's let's uh, interrupt. We've talked about Duber and Anita. We've talked a little bit about Mimi. Um, and you say the mayor. Let's talk about Mayor Handsome. Uh, probably the breakthrough non-fuggo of the show, if I'm right. Agreed? Oh, 100%. Mayor Jonathan B. Handsome is primarily to some the hero of the series because oh of course he wants them out of his town he wants them out of his city well a lot of people don't remember this if we're going back to his first appearance which was season five in 1976 is when the mayor shows up and when they first meet the mayor he is just a co-worker of Duber Fuggo, but he's so motivated about how ugly Duber is. And then he meets his family and he sees how ugly that family is that he thinks I have to get into politics to keep these people down. These people are too damn ugly, you know, and big laughs and whatnot. But really that idea set the template of the Fuggos for the next 45 years is how is the mayor going to get the Fuggos out of his town because they're too fucking ugly. I think that the mayor, mayor handsome is kind of where the show started to take a turn in the right direction because many of the episodes are him coming up with a scheme to get rid of the Fuggos. Sometimes they work and the Fuggos are gone, but there comes to a point where Jonathan subliminally kind of realizes he needs the Fuggos to find meaning in his life. When they're not around, he starts to see himself in the mirror and going, you know, I'm maybe I'm not as handsome as I think. Maybe I'm not as handsome as people think. It's just that these Fuggos are in my town and they make everyone else look great. So maybe... They should be here and they should have the right to live here as citizens 
and be our neighbors like the rest of us. And then he sees them again, and all of that he completely forgets. And the whole thing starts oh, over yeah. again. It's this big cycle. It's like, damn, these are too damn ugly. And the crowd the loses episode, The season finale of um, season 10, where he goes to their door on Christmas morning. And this is the Fuggos Ruined Christmas. It's one of my favorite episodes. He goes to bring them some presents. You know, a toy truck for Gomer, you know, a, 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 a tennis racket for uh, Mimi um, and stuff like that. You know, a big lawnmower for Duper. Like, nice gifts. And they answer the door and Mayor Handsome sees them again because he always forgets how ugly they are. And he puked so hard, he ha- his heart stops. And he wakes up in the hospital and the fuggos are all around his bed and wishing him a Merry Christmas. <laughs> and he tactically he goes to the cardiac arrest again and he dies right on the bed. And he dies again. He right, yeah. dies right there. <laughs> and then he goes and then he's up in like heaven and heaven's like heaven's talking to him about the fuggos and uh, heaven's talking to him. And heaven well, St. Peter <laughs> at the pearly gates. He's up in heaven and they're, and, and, and they're, they're talking and they're like, aren't you the one that has sent the fuggos here multiple times? We had to send them back because they're so damn ugly and he admits to it and they send him back because they said, no, 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 no. You're not coming in here and uh, yeah, not till you take care of those fuggos. <laughs> well, where are those fuggos going to I mean, they, they, they can't go to heaven. They can't go to hell. There's been many episodes where they're killed and, the, and then they get to come oh, back well, because yeah. where else are they going to go? Yeah, it's like, what are we going to do with them? They don't know. The universe doesn't know how to deal with these fuggos. They're just too fucking ugly. It's simply just that they're too fucking ugly and they're they're actually uh, it's actually graining to, uh, to well, let's uh, let's 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 cover Gomer Fuggo for a second. Uh, probably here. the you know the most iconic member of the family oh a hundred i mean he's on all the t-shirts his blue he's, and white striped shirt his little yeah. shorts um he gomer really kind he's of he's got those nunchucks that he carries around he's always knocking out people's windows with them gomer is an interesting character because he 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 hits puberty at about seven years old which is disgusting and oh yeah and they they allude to his his at like his school members allude to his huge uh, penis and his pubes all the time. And they say it smells. Yeah. So you have like this pheromones. You have this <laughs> this ugly little boy walking this around little school. Seven year old that just reeks of pheromones. <laughs> he stinks like a a man who hasn't showered in a week. He stinks like a hockey team after a game. He stinks like a hockey bag. And He's just like a walking hockey bag. And you know, like if you. If you have a, if you if there's a bad smell and you're looking for this bad smell and it's driving you crazy and then you see the source of the bad smell <laughs> this bad smell like worsens it like doubles so you smell the stink coming around the corner and then you come around the corner and Gomer is picking up his his uh his his lunch that he spilled all over the floor uh and you go oh that's definitely it and then you see his he turns around and you see his face and I mean. You feel sick to your stomach. I mean, even if you look at the episode you're talking about, a very fuggo puberty, right? Where Gomer Fuggo, you know, he's about seven and a half years old. He hits puberty at the exact same time as his 12-year-old neighbor, Zitz Manchego, which is, of course, the son of another famous character. uh, Dennis Manchego. Dennis Manchego, yeah. And, um, you know... At the whole time, Gomer's showing Zitz, you know, the ropes of puberty. You know, he's like, you know, you got to rub this leaf on your face. You got to pop the zits. Don't wash your hands. Giving him bad advice on purpose to kind of mess with him a little bit. Um, It was just like a very, very pure Gomer episode, you know, where he helps zits get even more zits. He puts ghee butter on his face in order to help that out. And then, you know... They all show up to school on Monday morning and the whole school throws up and the episode ends. I just, I lost it. That's a classic Gomer one. I, I thought it was very sweet um, in the summer episode. You know, summer's out, summer break, and Gomer is excited to go to this big um, summer fest. And he wants to win this stuffed bear for his crush. And um, her name is Jenny Kaminsky. 
and she's very young, just like him, and she's the love of his life, as oh, far as very, he's she, concerned. You know, she it's, comes it's, from a uh, you, know, you know prestigious family. She's supposed to be this beautiful, well-to-do, you know, girl, and then there's Gomer with his nasty. She's a star athlete. She's a ballerina. She's an A student. You know, she's student president. All these things, and Gomer is in love with her, and then he has no hope because the more handsome boy, Dennis Menachego, who is not actually handsome, but in comparison to du- Gomer, um, you know, he's uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and you know. Gomer is a bit, you know, he's a bit demoralized by all this. You know, he thinks, you know, that's the girl that I love and I want my first kiss oh, to be with course. her, you know, under the fireworks and everything and all that, all those things we go through as kids. And something beautiful happens in the episode. Gomer sees a bee's nest and he thinks maybe I can get her some honey. And like if I give her some honey, some fresh actual honey from a honeycomb, she might think that's sweet, like literally sweet. And I, I, I thought it was a very cute gesture that they wrote that. But Gomer gets stung very badly oh, yeah. by the bees, and then they end the up top they, of the head. It, it, it ends up making him more handsome. And then Jenny sees him after he's stung by the bees, and his face is disgusting, looking from all the swelling from the bees. But he looks much better than he did before. And they end up having, long story short, they end up having a, a, ki- a kiss on a rowboat under the fireworks, and it's a very you know heartwarming. And the second the you know the second those bee stings go away, you know she doesn't even recognize them anymore. And he's like, oh, you know, you know, uh, maybe I'll. Well, the episode some- ends with her pulling a gun on him. She pulls it out. She said, "My dad gave me this." She said, "If I ever, if you ever get close to me, I should use it." And. Well, most episodes end with somebody pulling a gun on the fuggos. Right. Or they end up in, in you know in prison. In but, co- or the prison in court. court. Yeah, in court. The, Hell the, or heaven. The or warden something. kicks them out. And... You know, I want to talk about my favorite uh, Gomer episode. And this might help us, you know, translate a little bit because, you know, we're still talking about a lot of the early seasons here. I think the very first episode of season 12, that was the golden year of the fuggos. I think that was the funniest year in TV history ever. And to kick that off was the best Gomer episode, The Fuggos Take the Big Test, where Gomer oh. has to go to a new school and that this new principal sees Gomer and sees how ugly this kid is and assumes that Gomer is dumb and starts giving him dumber classes, dumber tests, dumber whatever. And, you know, Gomer's not dumb. You know, he's not smart, but he's not dumb. He's just ugly. And, you know, he was talking about the prejudice that, you know, people have when they see an ugly person, they assume that they're super dumb. And so the whole episode, the Fogos team up as a family to prove that Gomer is just ugly. They get IQ tests, they get verified, they make the principal listen to Gomer talk while he has a blindfold on, so he has no bias. Um, and it ends with, you know, Mimi and Gomer teaming up to slash the principal's tires. And that's just just such an iconic episode. He chases them out with a gun. You know, credits roll. Bada boom, bada bing. It, it's a bit surprising that it ends with the principal killing them execution style. But, you know, <laughs> and you're like, deep down, you're like, well, you know, finally good riddance but you know they're going to be back the next week cause, yeah, because yeah you know cartoon. hell's not gonna hell's not gonna let them last there right that long. right um you know there's an episode where they're on the space station they they shoot them out in a capsule and they're like bye 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 and then somehow the capsule is picked up by an alien spacecraft and <laughs> they're the reason why they never even attack earth they have this big plan to start a war with humans and conquer earth and they see the the fuggos and they're like well if humans if this uh, humans are we want nothing to do with that place <laughs> oh and you know how could we have gone 38 minutes or whatever how long we've gone without mentioning the fuggo family dog ding dong oh just a Such big a- fat Ugly slob of a dog just rolls around everywhere. Farting slob. Oh, what a what so funny. The minute you um, touch it, it farts out a big green stink cloud. Um, the episode "A Dog's Day in Court," where Mayor Handsome hatches a plan to get the fuggos in trouble by rubbing his hands with a bunch of raw meat to try to get you know Ding Dong to bite him, 
and he successfully tricks Ding Dong into biting his arm. And, you know, as it goes to court, you know, the mayor's fighting really hard to get Ding Dong put to sleep, you know, because he's killed the Fuggos. He's killed them, arrested them, but he's never killed Ding Dong thinking maybe this one won't come back and I can really get these guys for once. But while they're in court, um, as we all know, Mimi and Gomer snuck over to the mayor's house into his dog kennel with a bunch of chocolate covered chicken bones. (laughs) Gave him to all the mayors, all 12 of his purebred Pyrenees. They all keel over and die. Meanwhile, in court, the the court decides in favor of the Fuggos, which makes the mayor furious. But as long as Ding Dong gets all of his teeth removed from that season on, you can see it. Ding Dong has no teeth for 38 seasons. Um, one of the one of the best, you know, nonverbal characters there, Ding Dong. I, I think Ding Dong is. I mean, there's the um, there's the season fourteen episode where Duber is very very drunk, and it's New Year's Eve, and the rest of the family are out of town visiting Anita's parents, and Duber had to work because of the holiday and he's at home and he's drunk and they're listening, you know, Frank Sinatra or something is playing and he's just slow dancing with ding dong, you know, holding them up in the air and oh, he's just yeah. hanging there, his big fat spherical body and Duber just drunk and drooling and sweating all over the room in the whole, it, it cuts, you know, it cuts to the outside of the home and the whole neighborhood is outside of the home watching this uh the scene through the window and you think it's gonna be very it's very heartwarming from inside and he's alone and sad and then the whole neighborhood they all begin loading guns and aiming them at the the window and the mayor you know he gives the fire and they just they wake up the house they wake up the whole thing oh yeah the wake up they burn down the whole house so funny. And then they're in hell and they're like, hey, who sent you ugly fucks? Get out of here. And they jab them with the pitchfork and they go flying back to the surface. It's just, it's always so good. <laughs> I think one of my favorite Fuggos episodes um, is the ugly will inherit the earth. And that's right, you know, at the tail end of season 16 there, um, which are still pretty good. Maybe not some of the best years, but I'd say, you know, a lot of these episodes, a lot of these episodes are season 17 through 26. And those are all amazing episodes. You know, it definitely, you know, seasons 26 through 41, there's a few gems every once in a while. And nowadays it's basically like different celebrity guests, you know, every, everything since like season 41. But back then this was season 17 here, the ugly will inherit the earth. And Anita Fuggo gets a letter from a lawyer telling her that her long-lost grandfather, Count Fuckface Fuggo II, has died and has given them a mansion. So the Fuggos immediately pack up all their belongings, sell their house before they even see the mansion. They head to the mansion, which turns out to be a trap sent by Mayor Handsome, who then attacks them with his iconic tire iron as everyone loses it. And, uh, of course, after they are all attacked, he boards up the house and he uh, lights it on fire. And, uh, you know, the Fuggos, they go to hell again. I, I really liked how not everyone likes this part of the show, but I really did enjoy the guest appearances um in particular an episode the fuggos meet kiss um it's a whole oh, episode yeah, where gomer he it's for his for his birthday he wants to go to the kiss show and his parents say absolutely not this is music not for little boys you know they're they look kind of like evil and and they're very sexualized and and Gomer is in. Uh, he insists. He he wants to sneak to the show. It's he wants a, the bad stuff. It's a bit like the 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 inspiration for the film Detroit Rock City about you know the group of you know stoner friends who want to go see Kiss, and um, long uh, the the, the all, all this stuff happens and it's found out Gomer's caught by his parents that he's going to the show and he has this big scheme and from antics from the mayor usually uh, destiny allows Gomer and the Fuggos to meet Kiss. And the interesting part is they meet them 
backstage. They end up back there by accident, and they see Kiss without their makeup, and they see that they are some of the ugliest men of all time. And Kiss, meaning the Fuggos, endear themselves to them immediately, and they show the family how to put on their makeup and how to be how oh, to look yeah. like Kiss. Well, when they first walked in, they thought Gomer was already wearing makeup. No, well, the thing about Kiss is no. that they wear the makeup to hide how how goddamn ugly they are. And oh yeah, they're fucking like ugly. Gene Simmons. He he looks like he looks like a a, a a a piece of chicken that was left in your fridge for seven. He weeks. He looks like a boiled potato with a bunch of sharpie drawn on it. And I thought that was a very sweet episode. I thought that was very cool how they did that for the fuckos. And they're all watching the show side stage and wearing the kiss makeup. And uh, Gomer has that big freak tongue, just like Gene Simmons. Oh, and, yeah. That was so funny. And Gene Simmons oh. tells Gomer, he said, don't worry about the ladies, Gomer. When you got one like this, they don't care how you look. And he does like the little tongue flick. And it's just, it's great. And then, the, oh, man, it's just one of my favorite episodes. Oh man, that's that's that was such a classic, iconic episode. Um, you know who could forget? Um, I think one of my favorite episodes would be Father Fuggo Knows Best, mm. where uh, mm-hmm. you know Duber's approached by a man on Absolutely. the street randomly. He do- he doesn't even know him, and he just sees his face, and he's like, "Oh my God!" Like. I need to offer you a job and then, you know, starts talking to him and hands him his card and says, I want you to fly out here, here. And he's not really sure what the job is, but Duber flies out and, you know, he starts working in this little suburban town. You know, the Fuggos start having a lot of money and stuff. You know, they're able to start buying more makeup. Um, You know, they're able to buy more shirts for Gomer, easily chewed food for Ding Dong. You know, they get Anita that gun she wanted so bad. Um, and, you know, Gomer realizes that, you know, he's sitting in this cubicle. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what his job is. And that secretly his new boss had been taking pictures of him and using them for even this guy can get laid banner ads on porn websites. And, you know, it shows him like Gomer and Anita, you know, on their computer. You know, it's 1999, so they're on AOL. And oh, my God. Who remembers you know, that? Oh, my God. Yeah. And they're they're sitting there going, uh, you know, Duber, this guy's using por- pictures of you in a porno, you know. And then Gomer dance in a porno, and uh, you know he's not wearing a shirt, and you can see the stench from his early puberty just wafting through the room. Everybody laughs, uh, you know. Eventually, of course. Duber Fuggo quits and he resumes his old job, you know, as we know, where he is a shoveler at a manure factory. You always see, you know, Duber get a new job and whatnot, but he always ends up shoveling at the old manure factory. Which is owned by the mayor. So he's, of course, course he's his boss. Um, And, you know, part of the, you know, his job is to, you know, throw the manure in the machines, but there's a guy that, you know, the mayor hired just to throw more and more maneuver on Duber Fuggo as well. And, uh, you know, that's when uh, Duber Fuggo does his iconic catchphrase, you know, eat shit, Einstein, you know, but uh, they've they've kept it fresh, even though the show's been going on for 50 years. I will give them that credit. I really quite enjoyed their anthology episodes um, that were kind of a homage to the Twilight Zone and shows of that nature. So there was one segment and one of those uh, fun little uh, anthology episodes that are like kind of like non-canon where the whole uh, one day suddenly the whole town goes blind except for the Fuggos and they live like kings and the whole town is very um, proud that the Fuggos can see because they can't. So they're like gods to these people. And by the end of the episode, everyone gains their sight back and the Fuggos lose their sight. And the whole town sees them, and they dig five graves in the cemetery <laughs> and bury them all alive, including Ning Dong the dog. Oh, yeah. He was the easiest to bury. They just really had to roll him in. And uh, that's how it ends. I'm not sure if it was supposed to be like happy or sad, or but it was kind of like a 
creative way of you know doing that kind of thing. No, it was more like a short story than an episode of you know comedy television. But I, I, I you know, I get what he was going for. Maybe we should talk a little bit. You know now about our guy about Jackson going back Fielding. to Jackson, the um, man who started it all. I mean, we owe it. We've we covered owe the it all to him. The Fuggos, everything that we love about them, we owe to Jackson Fielding. I mean, we've covered the arc of you know the early seasons had animation problems. They were low effort. It was mostly anti-Soviet propaganda. You know, it was mostly funded Not by, by an Jackson's organization choice. Called... You know, that he, he oh, needed no. the money. He wanted to keep the show going. He's oh, like, yeah. you know, it'll work itself out. It eventually did. Um, yeah. I mean, it was produced by Red Free TV, which was in turn, you know, funded by Pat Buchanan. Right. And unfortunately, come 1975, you know, the genius Jackson was actually ousted from the show. Um, it was for an incident at a public pool involving, involving a gun. And shortly after that, he kind of went... Well, involved a, a, a firing of a gun, I mean. Well, I mean, it's... There's a lot there's a lot going on at that time. Uh, from the high dive. He was shooting his gun from well, the high was, dive. You know, Vietnam uh, had just ended that year, and... Uh, um, yeah, but he wasn't in Vietnam. Was yeah, but I'm sure guy. there's a lot of things that stirred up. I, I, the, the, the point is, is that he uh, he had a bad day. Okay, um, he was having a fuggo kind of day. That was just one fugly <laughs> day for Jackson Fielding. Uh, shortly after, he went, you know, silent. He went off the grid. Um, no one heard from him, and unfortunately, it didn't lead to him returning to the show. But the show um, lived on, so in a way, his spirit lived on to the show. And uh, a few uh, years later, a lot in 1978, is when uh, Jackson Fielding started popping up again in the news. Yeah, for those of you, um, you know, who are casual fans of the Fuggos, and you know that you know the name Jackson Fielding because it's the first name you see after every episode of the Fuggos. But, you know, a lot of people inside the media know this. A lot of people that are big fans know this. But in 1978, um, Jackson Fielding was tracked to the remote Bear Rat National Park in Terre Haute, Indiana, you know, where he was considered extremely armed and he was making bootleg Fuggos shirts um, after he got ousted from the show. I think this was his way of some kind of cosmic retribution. You know, fire me from my show. I'm going to still make money off my show type of thing. Um, but he was writing letter after letter um, to government officials. Is that fair to say? Government officials? Oh, yes. Yeah. Multiple um, politicians. News anchors on TV yes, shows. Many news outlets. Um, he was saying... Chomsky was writing letters to, to he, him. He actually... And I've read through all these letters. There are hundreds of them. Um, there was never actually a single threat of violence um, within these letters. His threats were towards the studio. He said, you know, you know, just to quote, I, I'm paraphrasing here, I swear to God, if they do not end the Fuggos right now, I will make an even uglier family like no one has ever seen before. Yeah. Like, you think the Fuggos are ugly, just you wait. I remember that was in a letter, you know. He sent to his good and friend the FBI, Timothy uh, The FBI and the ATF um, had a siege surrounding his yeah. small, uh, you know, estate in the park. Op operation, uh, then operation, which was ironically named Operation Fuggo Fest. Um, and it was not a festival, which, uh, I'll tell you. Apparently, the ATF and FBI had a lot of fun with it. It went for 57 days, the siege. Um and yeah. Jackson Fielding... They had a grill outside. They were using the grill. The whole time, Jackson Fielding was in communication with them, and he said, the door is unlocked. Come on in. Come on in, you pussies. I'm right in here. You won't do anything about it. You won't come in here. And they never actually did enter the home until after the fact that he was oh, dead. Oh, never, but, never. Uh, I, I think they made the mistake because it seems like that... <laughs> He was just irritated there on his property, and he said, you can come on in. The door is unlocked. Like, I'm not stopping you. Just I'm literally inviting you in. They said, no, come on out with your hands up. And they insisted on that, and he insisted on staying in his own home. And in turn, it led to them 
burning the whole place to the ground with him inside it. Well, allegedly, ironically, his body was not found. His body was not found. He died on a Thursday night, somewhere around seven Eastern. Um, while we know that, and we know that the ATF and FBI had a joint perimeter around his home, the ironic thing is that night there was an episode of the Fuggos called "The Fuggos Flip Out." in which the Fuggos are trip are kicked out of a trampoline store for being too ugly. Um, you know, Duber's saying, you can't do that just because I'm ugly. And the guy's like, you're so damn ugly, I'm going to bounce you out of here. And he pushes him into a trampoline, which then throws him out the window. And then three floors later, he hit the ground. Um, but, you know, they go to a court battle because of this. Um, and they play surveillance footage from the store, and Gomer was rubbing his nuts on the trampoline. <laughs> so, you know, they get arrested. Um, but as they are getting arrested, they take them home, and they're saying, I thought we were going to the jail. They barricade the door, and they burn it all down, which is exactly at the same time, the exact same way that Jackson Fielding died. So even though the Fuggos went to hell Satan said, damn, you're ugly, and then kicked them back up to being alive again. They died in the exact same way. Uh, allegedly, as I said, um, Jackson Fielding's remains were never recovered. The FBI and ATF reported that they were incinerated, and they claimed that some teeth were found, but those were not his teeth. And I have proof. The rumored... Um, family that is twice as ugly as the Fogos um, has never been discovered either. However, those bootleg shirts are still being made. Some people say they come from China. They're just made in like a, in these in these modern sweatshops. People say it's in you know these giant sweatshops are these uh, big bootleg uh, operations where you know the some Amazon algorithm is making them. Uh, all these fake T-shirt sites are making them, but I personally believe that Jackson Fielding is somewhere in Northern California in the hills with the screen print, still making these shirts of, and he's he's updated them to be more modern, like Gomer smoking a joint. Oh yeah, I've seen some of those. Those are wild. And how more how fitting would that be? Like someone as ugly as Gomer. What else are you going to do but, you know, light up a J? You know, when you're a kid, what else can you do? You know, just become a stoner. But there's that. Enjoy life. You just stay high all the great time. Great bootleg t-shirt where they take Anita Fuggo's face and they put it on the Mona Lisa. And uh, they have her just smoking like a uh, uh, like a cigar, like one of the little cigars. Right. And uh, she looked like shit and she was super fugly. And you turn on MTV you're going to see somebody dance around in that shirt. It's, it's, it's a hot commodity. Or you have the um, classic painting of Saturn eating his son. They have a spoof of that, of Duber eating Ding Dong. Yeah. You'd think it'd be eating Gomer, but he's eating Ding Dong the dog. Well, who is, who is it, as it, big it, as Gomer? By easily and, and and ding dong is you know half his body is hanging out his little butt and a little dog turd is like hanging out his he's butt he's always like got always. that it's like there's always a little turd you think it's like a second darker tail that's lower but nope think about it it's so gross got, always got the little dingleberry they'll show you know they'll do always like little visual gags where they'll just show ding dong the dog flying through a little you know doggy door and then they'll cut to the other side and they'll show he went through it so fast his little turd fell out of his butt on the outside. They'll do a close up of like his asshole and the turd, kind of like what inspired Ren and Stimpy and SpongeBob in that sense. Those very detailed, disgusting close ups. Oh yeah. And uh the Fuggos, they were the first to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, um you're talking about a television medium that was made to look good to make people look good, to be pretty, to be vibrant, to be aesthetically pleasing. And Jackson Fielding just completely flipped the game by, um, you know, I want to show nasty things on TV. I want to show ugly people. I want to show, like, nasty fuck faces and ugly, fugly uh, pieces of shit. I want to show, like, a nasty family where they all look like shit in a different way. So you can't really even say, 
you know, that this kind of ugliness is related. It's just that every child is born with severe ugliness. You know, they don't have each other's noses, any, any, any features like that. They're just all uniquely, completely fucking ugly and nasty. You know, they smell like cigarettes. They smell like BO. They smell like hockey bags. You know, their feet, the bottom of their feet is black, you know, from walking around on like their kitchen, dirty kitchen floor. They they smell like they haven't flushed uh, their their piss in the toilet for you know four days. You know they have that sign and in the Fuggo house where it says if it's yellow, you know let it mellow. They don't flush pee. It's just how that house works. They don't flush pee. And I I think Jackson was really affected by the war. He wanted to come home. He wanted people to unite over something that wasn't war. Um, he actually was quite prominently anti-war. But he believed in the American people and he wanted something that we can unite around. And what better way to do that than be like, well, I know an ugly family. I, I hate their ass. Like, I fucking wish they were dead. And he kind of took that yeah. concept that we and all dirty, relate to. And you know, not even just ugly. They're dirty. They stink. They're not stupid. They're just ugly. They're not stupid. They just are so ugly. That you- but they're also not smart. Oh, they're definitely not smart. They, if anything, they might be slightly below average. But they're still not dumb, you know. But also, if you see this family, you're gonna instant. You're gonna, you're gonna immediately think right. they're and they, you know, and, just and, and, dumb, and, dumb, dumb as a rock, and, you know. And and, and 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 you know, to their you know detriment, you know they they don't talk good. They mumble. They're ugly. They're stinky. They do not. They don't they give do themselves any favors anything. at all. You know. They probably like they probably don't read any books. They probably you know what I think after they use take a number two they don't wipe their butts. Well, if that's I don't fair know. to that's say, a little bit um, speculative. I mean, that's. I mean, they smell like crap, dress, and but. they often like have you know. They'll, there's a lot of episodes where it'll show you know, uh, uh, Duber goes to work or Anita you know meets with somebody at the grocery store, and they just have a little bit of shit on them. Not a lot. Not like they're caked in I mean, shit. I don't know if that's but true. But they have like a quarter-sized really, smear of shit never really, on them. And so like they'll stink because it's just a so little So you're just shit. implying that they're dumb, though. You're implying that well, they no, are I'm dumb. Well, no, I'm implying that they are uh, 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 abhorrent uh, because they have a little pieces of shit on them that's like stuck to their clothes. Like a quarter-sized smear of shit. Like if you got your thumb and pressed in some shit and then accidentally got in like your gym shorts. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about here. You know, and their dirty feet and the unclipped toenails, they bite their fingernails. Uh, they belch, they burp, they throw up, they have gas. Uh, they have, acid, they have acid reflux. Um, you know, uh, what, I mean, what else they got? They got water inside of their skulls that needs to Gumber be is seven years old walking around with big ingrown hairs on his neck because he has to shave and he can't shave. Yeah. Right. And uh, I mean, they're becoming pussy and, and he, smells, uh, he stinks uh, like pheromones and he doesn't know how to clean himself. That's also another reoccurring joke. I think we've covered basically everything about the, I think I can think of some uh, more nasty. today. I, think I can think of some more nasty stuff. You know about the fuggos, like they smell like mildew, because uh, their clothes are usually wet. Oh, they're dryer. They don't have they a dryer. Have a dryer. They just wear their. They just put on their clothes when they're slightly damp, and they just let them be like. Yeah, that. you know their teeth are all messed up from like chewing cans and stuff, like metals, rocks. <laughs> yeah, they eat rocks. <laughs> it's a yeah, classic visual bit where he'll show them at dinner. They're eating small rocks. <sighs> You know I something, fucking, Roger? I fucking I, hate the fuckos. I hate, I fucking hate, I hate the, fuckos, the fuckos, man. I, I fucking, fucking hate their they're ass. They're fucking eating rocks. They put like ketchup. They dip their dip their little rocks. They have like they have gizzards, like they're ducks. That's why they can eat rocks. They have gizzards. They're fucking nasty. Why the fuck do they have gizzards? You know, they have fucking webbed fingers and toes. No, <laughs> I fucking well, no, hate the fuckos, Sinclair. I hate. I love Jackson Fielding, and I love that he gave us this show. And I do love the show, but I fucking, I fucking hate the Fuggos, man. They're so fuck the fucking Fuggos. ugly. They're so goddamn. Why can't ugly. the mayor they do look anything? Like shit. <sighs> and every time we talk about them, we get heated. Get like heated this because we go to detail about everything. Just well, you know what? For me, it's, it's, it's hate, a, can't it's a, stand the Fuggos. I remember they eat rocks and they dip their rocks in ketchup. That's what really set me off. <laughs> 
I fucking hate well, I those think that's stupid. Fu- well, they're not stupid. I'm sorry. I think I think today we've covered enough ground. We'll be back next <laughs> week um, with more on the Fuggos celebrating 50 years of this wonderful show. Hey, another 50 created by our one of my personal heroes, Jackson Fielding. Thank you again, sir. Rest in peace. May you rest in peace. Or, if you're dead, yeah. or keep making those shirts. And I hope that you listen next week. I'm Sinclair O'Malley. I'm Roy. I'm Roger Dew. And this has been <laughs> the Fuggos. Thank you for joining us. Hey, uh, Gomer also eats mud. Thank you. Good night. Mm-hmm.